32 counties and 32 questions. My name is usually Una, but my name is actually Andrea, and this is United Ireland. Every week we take a county and dive into an issue relevant to that county and then see where in the world it brings us. This week's county is Laid, and this week's question, do we need to get more bogged down? Good morning, Ireland. I am once again without my oracle of life, Una Mullally. Uh, so greetings to you on your holidays. I hope you're having a ball. Whilst you've been gone, here's some of the things that have been going on in the world around us. First up, it started off as a bad thing, turned into a good thing, my favourite thing that to happen. The RNLI saw donations surge after it was forced to defend its work saving lives overseas. The absolute travesty of thought that is involved in somebody getting annoyed that a group whose investment and money is there to save lives or saving lives just outside of a certain boundary is absolutely ridiculous. And I just have to ask everyone to please start listening to Oprah and realising that People are people and it doesn't matter where they are and that the most important thing is to look at humanity in its face and not to start. Uh, maybe I'll start sounding like Oprah. That could be the future for me while Luna's gone. Look what I've done to the podcast, Luna. Another good thing. Great news as planners refuse the 102 bed Bartra co-living plan for rat mines in Dublin. Um, and the reasons that they gave was because there was only one co-living space per floor, which involved a sitting room, a kitchen for 18 apartments. Um, and obviously one kitchen for 18 apartments is absolutely absurd. So hopefully this starts to mark the trend of uh, co-living being noted as not the solution, Owen Murphy. Uh, something else that needs a solution, O'Devney Gardens. The controversy that's been thrown up against about this, obviously there's the... Um, ownership and social housing question and we're obviously the Dublin City Council seem to be very against social housing as does our housing minister but what's happening now is that the uh, allocated affordable housing is actually not affordable. You have to be on at least 60 grand to be able to afford this and when did affordable housing become something that was afforded by someone on 60 grand a year? We, I think we have to start getting reality checks and like I really think there should be a reality show where we are forcing our ministers to live the lives they're expecting the citizens of this country to live because and I I'll go to reality show because there's a revenue stream in there will play up to their um commercial opportunities but and also some entertainment I would definitely pay to see Owen Murphy living in a co-living space um, for sure but like it just doesn't beggar belief that what we're trying to house people in is not possible to afford like where is the reality check that's coming from this um, someone who got a reality check as well this week was our lovely Boris Johnson Xavier Bratel, who is the Prime Minister of Luxembourg and was also branded by Farage as a pipsqueak, uh, which is an interesting word. Um, but he was forced to hold a planned press conference after Boris refused to take part due to a booing crowd. Um, and they've his tweet that he put up. Now, there's a questionable whether this is the way a Prime Minister should be behaving we'll put that aside for a moment because it's gas but it was from incredible hulk to incredible sulk 
Now, some of the British politicians are saying that this is going to have an effect on talks for Brexit. And I think that is the most, like, we're at this stage three years later where the talk, where Boris is actually will not have talks. People are just so sick of nothing happening, nothing moving away, that they're resorting to petty actions. Petty, funny, sure. But at the same time, is this going to bring us any closer to Brexit? Or is this what Boris is playing into? I still keep going back to the fact that it, these things aren't happening by accident. Back to our public service card. The commission, whose long-awaited report was public, made public this week, um, has suggested it will issue an enforcement order against the government if it continues to process data in relation to the controversial card. And the standoff could even see criminal proceedings initiated against the Minister for Employment Affairs and Social Protection, which is Regina Doherty, if the government continues to ignore the findings of the report. There's a standstill happening there. Nobody seems to be giving in, but they're still processing the data and the ads are still rolling on Twitter. So there's definitely some beef going on there. Which brings me next into my other piece. Beef is being taken off some of the menus over supply concerns at the moment. Um, and this follows uh, the Meat Industry Ireland and the farming organisations held talks for more than 30 hours um, in a bid to find a solution to this dispute um, that's been going on about beef, which resulted in a deal um, which involved all legal actions being withdrawn and blockades lifted from outside meat processing factories. But the blockades are still in place. Farmers are are a bit wary because they've had their hand bitten before. But also the baseline hasn't risen. Um, and without the baseline rising, there's they feel there's an unfair price being put on beef and their farming. So this will be an interesting one. Maybe this is the start of our vegetarian lives in Ireland. Something outside of Dublin, which is our bylaws, which have been passed for buskers in Galway. Um, they've been branded by musicians and performers as ridiculous. Um, there's a lot of stuff about amps, but also there's even, even audience forums around a busker that they have to immediately stop. And I think that obviously contravenes the whole point of busking. Um, and Galway is well known for its live music and its on-street activities and all that jazz. Um, so you have to wonder where we're going with this erasure of uh, culture that's happening not just in Dublin City, which is where we focus on a lot, but it's happening in Galway, which is known as being a centre of culture and musicians and performers. And if we're erasing that and rubbing it out, what are we left with to make way for trade? And if we're only focusing on the commercial viability of a city, what are we left with? And will people bother going? The age-old question. Uh, The dubs, both the women and the men's team won. Uh, The women beat Galway and the men beat Kerry. And, you know, my sports ball obsession. It was a great day for the dubs. I was uh, out with my jersey. No, I wasn't. But I have to, it's absolutely brilliant. And it was brilliant to see the reaction that the women's team got as well and the numbers that were in Croke Park for it as well. And finally, uh, Lyric FM is under threat. Out of all the, I suppose, stations that are there, Lyric FM provides something that is something different and is easy to attack when times are coming to a hardship. So there's petitions to save Lyric FM and if you do have the chance do step up and put your name to it because it is something that is worth saving and even if it isn't to your taste it's providing a service that isn't provided anywhere else and I think when we start um, erasing everything we have that's culturally related um, and we're left with one thing that suits one type of person that may be the majority but we're left with a lack of colour and I think leaving life with a lack of colour is not worth living. (music) 
Now, our county this week is Louth. And I am joined by the wonderful producer Andrew today again. Who hello, is going hello. to fact us up. Take I'm, it from the top, Andrew. Oh, I'm going to take it. Okay, the population <laughs> of Louth is 122,808 and it's nicknamed the Wee County, which I guess is to do with its size. <laughs> we hope. Rather than anything else. But actually, when you consider that it's called the Wee County, it actually is home to the second and third largest towns in Ireland, which would be Dundalk and Drogheda, according to the census. So those are towns rather than cities. Is yes. that how they measure that? Yeah, I think the cities are Dublin, Cork, Galway, and then everywhere else is a town. Waterford? Is Waterford a city? Oh, shit. I don't know. Well, our Waterford uh, listeners will tell us, no doubt. Uh, the old name of the county, Lvov. <laughs> Obviously, my Irish classes are going extremely well. They are actually coming along quite well. Are you doing it on Duolingo or are you going to classes? I'm doing it on Duolingo and I also have uh, a Gwailgor called Shiva who's teaching me as well. Hi, Shiva. Cool. Um, but the name comes from the place where people worshipped the Celtic god Lu, whose festival was celebrated at Lunasa. Very cool. You can visit Oliver Plunkett's actual head, his actual head in St. Peter's Church in Drogheda. So, <laughs> so rotten. Have you seen it? I think I have. Like his skin is pulled. Well, I don't know if it's skin anymore. Mm. The sheet that covers his is pulled really tightly. So he looks like he's grimacing. That's gross. Yeah. He it's not like Futurama where they've got cool heads. Oh, the cartoon. yeah, no. And they're not in liquid. No. No. Maybe that's or where alive. they went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the home of Boyne Valley Honey, which was founded in 1960 by the McCluskey family in Drogheda, and they still package it all nearby. Very cool. Yeah. It's good honey. I like that honey. I'm not a honey eater because, don't you know, when I go into my vegan phases, I'm like always wanting to be a vegan. Right. You're actually, I feel really mean. Now, I, I just had a burger the other day, so I don't know, I can't talk shit, but I try to. But you're robbing the food that the bees are making to get them through the season. Right. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> There's a bigger conversation to be had there, isn't it? There is, yeah. My dog eats bees as well, so I try try oh and stop God. her. She's very quick, though. She's like, just snaps them out of the air. But uh, My dog yeah. eats flies. Well, that's okay. Um, more Irish here. Bruna Buina Buona. Bruna Bonya. Bonya. The Irish is going stellar. <laughs> Apparently it means Palace of the Boyne, located outside Drogheda. It's an internationally important complex of Neolithic chamber tombs, standing stones, henges, and other prehistoric enclosures located in a wide meander of the River Boyne. So a bit kind of stonehenge Yeah. Caves and... This beautiful one. Um, probably should have written it down. Probably. It's beautiful, but <laughs> if you Google it, Google's the solution. Uh, Carlingford Lock was initially in a settlement for Vikings, um, who I really do not like after all I'm learning about them, because they used the river to get in as far as Armagh to raid and pillage. Okay. Dicks. Well, raiding and pillaging is something that we should leave behind as much as possible, <laughs> yeah. I think. What's this one? It's more Irish, and I don't know what it means. Chucky R. Erlor? <laughs> Chucky Erlor? It's a play on Chucky Erlor. Right. It's a carpet shop. Erlor is floor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's a bit like Lionel Richie, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chucky Erlor. Genius. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's Loud's most famous carpet shop, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's been hey, featured in hey the Hey guys, yeah, if you want to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> I don't think we're to the, the, we'd be to their taste, to be honest. Um, 
a monastic it's a monastic site central down there up there or wherever you are if you're in Belfast listening it's down there if you're in Dublin it's up if you're in Wexford it's up but uh, loads of monastic ruins dating from the 5th and 6th centuries including the monastery at Monster Boyce and later Cistercian Cistercian Abbey at Melifont which are both near Drogheda very good and the cores I would run away cores are from Dundalk which is in Louth yeah they are and they're three of them are Sound. Grand, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the they're, they're on a comeback. I don't know how they're going to manage the the tinfoil hat shenanigans of the brother and the tinfoil on the yeah. tour. Who knows? They're probably used to his nonsense. In yeah. fairness, I, I here's another loud fact. I used to work in Louth in Drogheda. Where about for LMFM? Ah, yeah, way back in the nineties, doing voiceovers and radio stuff where you'd play meatloaf. You definitely Here's have a great life. voice for radio, we'll tell you that. Thank you very much. Face <laughs> for it too. Now, we're speaking to Katie Hilton, who is an artist based in New York City and has been campaigning on behalf of the RD Bog. She's currently developing an Irish tree alphabet to reforest Ireland with native trees while planting stories and has represented Ireland at the Venice... I can never pronounce it. Katie, take it away. How do you pronounce it? The Biennale. Biennale. Thank you. Um, thanks for talking to us today, Katie. Oh, thank you for, for being interested in RD Bog and reaching out. Um, can you give us a bit of background on what's been happening with the RD Bog? Sure. Um, well, so about 20 years ago, um, which feels like a lifetime ago, we heard that um, our neighbours who are farmers, um, that there, there was a CPO, a compulsory purchase order on their land and there was plans to build um, a bypass. And so we were all kind of shocked because it seemed to be happening very quickly and out of the blue. Um, and it was 20 years ago, so the, the details are very foggy. And um, plus I have a bit of a flu, so my head is a bit foggy. But um, But what I do remember is that we were all, the family, you know, was, was horrified, but we felt a bit, um, what's the word, helpless, not knowing what to do, where, where to get information. Because um, as we, all we heard was that the, this new bypass was going to cut through the bog or the edge of the bog through the farmer's land. And we weren't sure, quite sure why really. We know RDs always had traffic problems, but usually most of it seems to come from the N2, from the south end, which is basically the Dublin Road. And that's where all the schools are. There's a, a community school, two primary schools, um, lots of housing estates. So in 20 years, you can only imagine how things have changed. So so I, I forgot to mention that that all happened very quickly. And then suddenly it went quiet because there was no money. So it was shelved. Exactly. It was shelved. Um, so we sort of stupidly sort of forgot about it and just thought, oh, that's great. It's not going to happen. Um, uh, and we moved on sort of forgetting about it, mm-hmm. which now, I, you know, I've just been thinking the last couple of months, what a silly thing to do, because once they did get a bit of money, which seems to be what happened, Minister Shane Ross got some money last year, went to look at the shelves because they wanted to do something with this money. And the top of the pile was this N52 bypass um, and all because all of this planning which hadn't been very well done at the beginning but it had been done so they in their eyes it seemed like a project that was just ready to um, go ahead with 
And obviously there's been changes to RD and the surrounding town, etc. But still the plan for the N52 that's going ahead is the plan that was made 20 years ago. Exactly. And as someone put it, um, you know, those plans 20 years ago were already about 30 years out of date. There were none of the the environmental um, laws. You know, we have a lot of local, regional, national, European laws. Um, but this project absolutely fails um, all of these. So we're looking at a project that's maybe 50 years out of date. There was no environmental impact assessment ever done. Um, and now, you know, the County Louth Ranger visited in June and mapped, surveyed the site and found, um, you know, there's like seven key sites where there are curlews nesting and feeding. So I, I don't know if you know about the curlew, but this is the, that beautiful haunting sound, that gorgeous bird that you, you hear, but maybe you've never seen it. And um, they're going to go extinct in Ireland within five to 10 years. And now we've got them in RD Bog, but they want to put the motorway there. So that's it. They're probably no more. So apart from the curlews, which is obviously very important, but what other reasons um, have really got you campaigning to stop the development of the N52 through the bog? Um, well, there are many. I, you know, I wrote a piece that was posted. I posted it on Medium last week, and the Drogheda Independent covered it. And I tried to outline some of my concerns. Um, you've got the obviously the environmental, ecological aspects, which to me are so fundamental. It seems like a, a no-brainer. We declared a climate emergency in Ireland back on the 9th of May. Um, so just to be very blunt about it, if you're a functioning human being who's living in 2019 and has any sense of reality and our relationship with the planet that we're living on, and it's the only planet that we have, you don't put roads in places like this. Um, there are also the fact that because it's the whole area is flooding, and this is something that also Transport Infrastructure Ireland didn't seem to have any idea that the area, the buffer zone area surrounding the bog, where the exact route where they want to put this motorway, um, has been flooding. Um, the last ten years, the flooding has kind of gotten out of control. We have photographs on our we've our, our website rdbog.org, so you can see some photographs that were taken this August and in March with extreme flooding. So when the Community Action Group pointed this out to Transport Infrastructure Ireland and it came as a shock to them. They had to redraw their plans. Um, digging, they came up with this idea, I think, I haven't seen them myself, but I've heard they're going to put poor concrete and raise the road three metres high on stilts, I guess. Um, so, which, again, doesn't make any sense. Why do you build roads like this? Because all that water has to go somewhere else. It's going to just create more flooding um, and the expense. So you can imagine that's doubled the budget. So now suddenly we're looking at 34 million euros for um, a bypass that's going to bypass the part of town that doesn't need bypassing because, as I said, the traffic, most of it is coming from the N2, not the N52. Um, so there are many safety issues, cost issues, um, logistical issues, commonsensical issues, environmental, um, never minding the the, the, when, to go back 20 years, when we first heard about the project, what was most shocking um, was that actually all of our neighbours were going to be cut off. Uh, whole entire communities were just going to be completely um, isolated 
and disconnected from the town of RD. So these are people, we have friends who, who don't have cars. They bike and walk into town. And suddenly this road was just going to cut straight through, leave them having to somehow make their way onto another motorway. Um, so there, there was absolutely no consideration, but it was like they just looked at this area. There was a brown smudge in the map and they said, there's nothing there. We just put a line through it. Um, simple. So you had communities cut off, and this is an issue that's been um, dealt with the last couple of months. The project was actually put on hold, and they're having a meeting in the uh, Dáil right now as we speak. The Oireachtas Transport Committee is meeting with Loud County Council and Transport Infrastructure Ireland to look at these, um, to review the whole project, uh, discuss these cul-de-sac issues, um, and the upgrades that are going to have to, to take place. And I so, suppose, I mean, this is me just ranting, so I've forgotten what your original question was. No, that's perfect. I suppose the thing that stood out to me the most about this whole thing was whilst, um, and in fairness, um, Loud County Council and TII have seemed to really put in the work to resolve the issues that have been raised by the community and the around the potential effect of the N52 and the cutting off of the community, etc. But there's been no conversation about the environmental impact, which has seemed to be ignored. Um, and obviously now there's a situation where the TII has asked Dublin City or Loud County Council to put the project on hold, even though it was due to go to tender this week, which is mm-hmm. a good thing because it leads now to an opportunity to highlight the environmental impact that will happen from building through the bog. Right. Well, that's what we're hoping. Um, And so members of the community action group are there in the doll right now. Um, And Donna Cooney has been very supportive. We we set up, we made the website. Um, So I have to say I was back home in RD in July. So this is for me, that's when I first learned that it was really up and running. I met um, our neighbour, the Cummins, whose farm I I mentioned at the beginning, who Mm. lost land to the CPO. And she said, oh, yeah, every week they keep saying that the work's going to start next week. And I hadn't realized that it was all back on track and that this was happening at all. So it's only been since July that I've um, sort of... (laughs) And So the CPO went ahead and they lost their land 20 years ago and nothing has happened. Yeah, and it's sad. I don't want to talk about personal things that yeah. have happened, you know, people have passed on, you know, lives, families have changed. Um, so it's, there's a real impact that's happening with, you know, in people's lives. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just a piece of paper on a shelf somewhere. And I think that's what's so distressing and disturbing because we've started writing letters. We made the website to try and share information because we ourselves couldn't find information. There was no way to know, to know um, what's going on, where do we find out what's happening? Um, and that's where the community action group, you know, people like Anne Lennon and Ruth McCord have been working tirelessly for years now. Um, they had a meeting in the Dáil last year. That's when they mentioned to TII about the flooding. Mm. So people have been working, kind of putting their own lives on hold to understand the issues and to explain. It's almost like an educational project. Um, and it feels like if we everybody could get together and just talk, look at the map, walk the land, um, there could be a way to to get around it because obviously there is there does seem to be a bottleneck issue in the town and there are a lot of uh, heavy good vehicles going through etc um, but now that the situation is on hold for the moment thanks to the TII putting it on hold with the council however one of the councillors has said that the site clearance and fencing would continue as well as ESB work so it doesn't seem to be completely stopped 
But now there's an opportunity to kind of highlight the environmental issues. So what would you say to people who are listening of what they could do to maybe uh, voice their support for the retention of the bog? Um, well, as I'm learning how to, to be an activist and what to do, um, maybe there are people listening who might have advice and know what we could do or advise. Because today, I, you know, we've just been writing letters to everyone. Um, and as you mentioned, I'm, I'm over in New York, so I'm kind of at a disadvantage. I can't actually walk, knock on doors. You know, I was in touch with Saoirse McHugh and said, well, you know, in her experience, it's just literally campaigning, going door to door, having conversations with people, which is something I can't do. Um, so I've been trying to do it virtually, yeah, online, Twitter. Um, so I guess it's, is it? Is this what it's we people do? People power. It's, it's, I suppose yeah. building a, a group of people who are passionate about what the importance of having the bog remains is and what it means to the people around. Yeah. Like we have the climate strikes happening on Friday. So I'm I'm here in New York, so I'll be in Foley Square with Greta and hopefully tens of thousands of people. Um, if I was in RD, I'd be out in the bog <laughs> having a climate strike there. You know, I, I just heard that there's this piece today in Green News where um, the Minister for Climate Action, so the one person who's got this title that should understand the issues, was claiming, um, you know, that agriculture is our greatest carbon sink. Um, and ha- <laughs> how? <excuse me. laughs> That's what dogs are. So, so there's there's the, there's it's a, almost as if they just pluck things out of the air and just decide what the, what's going to sound good in the context. You know, this, he was speaking at the ploughing championships. Mm. Um, so what do people want to hear today that's relevant? Okay, that is absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your information and it was great to have you on a call today. Thanks so much. Now we're joined by Tristram White, who is the Conservation Policy Officer with the Irish Peatland Conservation Council. Um, We were talking earlier about, um, I suppose, where, about bogs and all that stuff. So we're just going to maybe pick into that a little bit and ask firstly what the remit of the Irish Peatland Conservation Council is. Hi, yes. So um, we are uh, um, an environmental, non-governmental organisation and a, a registered charity and our remit would be to conserve a representative sample of Irish peatlands for present and future generations. And we would kind of do that, you know, we, um, we have a membership service um, and we run appeals um, annually and we also reproduce uh, educational material. And we would also have a protected bog fund. So with a lot of the dona- donations that we collect, that goes into the protected bog fund. And if a decent bog comes up for sale, you know, uh, we might be able to purchase it for conservation. We, ca- we currently have five nature reserves in the country. Why would you say bogs are so important and why should we be worried about their demise and indeed disruption to build roads? Well, if you think raised bogs are pretty much Ireland's last wilderness. Um, if you think uh, in Europe as a whole, um, 50% of Europe's raised bogs are actually in Ireland, but less than 10% of them are worthy of conservation. Um, and who decides on their worthiness? There are specific patterns. Who decides on their worthiness for conservation? Um, well, that uh, that would be kind of um, so. We see how what degraded state they are in. Okay. Um, some of them may not be, you know, it might not be economical enough to actually spend all the money on restoration. 
to, to make it a raised bog. And what are the, I suppose, the benefits to the environment around bogs? There's a lot of science involved in what they hold and the carbon sinks, etc. Could you give us a little, bit, little explanation about that? In terms of carbon, um, peatlands are the world's most important carbon sequestration habitat. So they're way more important than the, than the uh, tropical rainforests, where the amount of carbon they secure. If you think that a peatland all across the world is, um, you would technically define it as anywhere where the bioproduction of plant material is greater than decomposition. So you've got this annual layering down of plant material, which gets left uh, under the high water table and doesn't decompose. So you're taking this carbon out of the atmosphere and locking it out of the carbon cycle. And raised bogs have been forming for the last 10,000 years. So that's a lot of carbon all sat there. Now the problem in Ireland is that most of them are in a degraded state. So they're actually releasing carbon into the atmosphere. And how does that happen? How do they get into um, the degraded they, state? Once they, um, well, it's from, it's from um, human impact. So we have the turf cutting. We have um, extraction for horticultural sod moss. We have the power stations. Um, we have extraction of peat for peat bedding for animals. Um, we also have things like road developments going through them and wind farms. And what can we do to stop them getting into this state, apart from obviously not getting involved and digging them up? But is there anything we can do to bring them back to a good state? Yeah, well, the main thing is um, keep the peat keep the peat in the ground. And also we'd have, we have to go back to these bogs and block the drains up so that we can we can let them start holding on to the water again and let the sphagnum species that are very integral to the hydrological function functioning of a raised bog. You know, we need we need to improve the original habitat conditions so that the they can revert back to their original state and start growing and forming peat again. Actually, um, one of the reports that we've had to we've had to um, report back to the EU on um, we've had to say that we've actually even in the protected designated sites we've had a 37 percent loss over the last 15 20 years in our actually designated protected sites. That's the active portion that's actually still growing. And that's on our protected sites. And that's because of human interaction with it? Yes, yes. And we just haven't released enough funding to actually, uh, to allow the National Park, say, to get onto these bogs and actually fix them. With the human interaction, I suppose, a year ago it was reported that the Irish Peatland Conservation Council has further called on Minister Shane Ross to fully investigate the impact the proposed RD bypass will have on the historic bog land surrounding the town. They say that it had come to their attention that the very last and ve- most easterly raised bog within County Laird in the Republic of Ireland will be affected by a bypass plan for the town of RD. What was the outcome of that with the Minister? Um, well, I actually started off with a letter to the K- Louth County Council who then pointed me on to the department, who then actually pointed me back to the Transport Infrastructure Island. So I went on kind of a roundabout. Um, eventually, a planner from the, from the Louth County Council um, did ring me and ask, um, ask for my opinion and what they should, what they should do. Um, and I had a chat with him, and I did kind of say he needs to get back in contact with the, with the community and try and interact with them. Um, and that was the last I heard. What should they do? So obviously there's a lot of traffic issues in RD. Um, how do we get around going through the bog while solutionising the issue of more cars? Yes, yes. Well, there, there has to be some solution to it. I can't think that it's day and age. We can't think of something. But putting a road through the most easterly bog in the country, you know, which has geographical importance, you know, it can't be the answer. And I think I have heard that they plan, they're planning to make a raised platform, concrete platform, but that's still co- going through the bog and it's still going to fragment it. So that really isn't the answer either. 
Yeah, and I'm very aware the locals are not against, you know, traffic improve tra- the, the road improvements. They're not against it. They just don't want to see this bog, you know, uh, be fragmented even more with the road going straight through it. Um, and you- there has there has to be some answer. Um, you were saying that Ireland has to report back to the EU every six years um, and our most recent report, especially about the distribution of uh, the range of distribution of bogs in Ireland. And this bog is one of the only easterly bogs um, and that yeah, presents the, a problem in itself. East race bog you can get. Yeah, exactly. So if, you know, if this bog becomes degraded even more, that means the report in the next six years is going to be worse. And, we've already, and in that report that we, um, we made to the EU, Every category for raised bogs has been reported on as being bad. So that would be the um, the range, the amount of area we have protected, the, strunk, the structures and formation and how they're actually functioning, um, the future, future prospects, and the overall st- status is deteriorating. And that's even after we have these 52 raised bog SACs and the 70-odd NHAs as well. So what would you recommend people to do to support the continued... Um I suppose, minding of bogs in Ireland. There's a lot more talk about different community um, projects now, you know, and then there's a few more other en- environmental NGOs which are all getting together. So there are places that people can go to now if they're interested. You know, there's a lot of um, people now who have, they're starting to stop cutting turf and they want to start reinstate their, their local environment, you know. Um, so there are things like the Community Wetlands Foundation or ourselves, the Irish Peatland Conservation Council. We help them get in touch with other, other organisations that can help you with this. And uh, every now and again, the government do release some sort of funding as well that might be possible from the, you know, the, the different um, departments of the government. Brilliant. Thanks a million for joining us today, Tristan. You've been great. Thank you very much. Anytime. So... How can you get bogged down? At the moment, we're faced with a very fortunate opportunity to raise issues of concern surrounding the bog now that the N52 bypass has been put on hold. So straight away, get on to the Minister for Transport, the TII and local councillors to let them know your environmental concerns. You can also get on to www.rdbog.org, who are friends of the RD bog and want to save the bog from destruction. Uh, 21 years ago, the government were advised to get out of the coal and peat industry because of the extremely damaging impact on local environments and the planet. And it's left, leaving an industry has an impact on the people who work in that industry, though, not to be forgotten. This Thursday, TDs will debate legislation on the future for workers within fossil fuel industries. So email your TDs with support for the workers and to establish a just transition task force to secure the future and livelihoods of workers and their communities in the transition to a low carbon economy. For more on that, you can see Friends of the Earth. You can also buy a copy of Ireland's Peatland Conservation Action Plan 2020, halting the loss of peatland biodiversity, which costs €25 Euro and can be ordered from the shop on ipcc.ie. Uh, you can support the school's climate action on the 20th of September and you can visit stopclimatechaos.ie for more information on that. And finally, you can support us on patreon.com forward slash United Ireland to bring you an episode week in, week out. This week, there was a protest in Uthard about a potential hotel being turned into a direct provision centre. Comments out of there were very uh, questionable. Independent TD Noel Grealish made comparisons between what he described as good Syrian Christians and economic migrants from Africa whom he called spongers. 
that in itself is bad enough. But this week we're going to put Leo Varadkar into the sea for his comments that um, are no less upsetting. As when Leo was asked on Morning Ireland if the government should abolish direct provision, he asked what it would be replaced with and says it's something the state offers to people and it's not compulsory. You can leave at any time. Like, I'm actually speechless and that doesn't happen very often. But when you take away the right to work from people and look at the fact that people employed in Ireland at the moment can't afford to live in Ireland, that in itself just shows you that people do not have an opportunity to leave at any time, Leo. You can get in the sea. Now, a bit more lively than that, fave bits. It's been a good week for fave bits for me. Thanks to my joyous uh, Fringe. There's been so many great shows that I can't get enough of the Fringe and I can't sing its praises enough for what it does for the city, for entertainers, for the for everyone involved in it. Um, I went to see X Anthony's show at the Fringe, which is a contemporary queer performance night, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, so snaps to X Anthony. But also what's come out of that is there's a lot of... Um, queer cabaret nights popping up around the city um, and further afield in Cork with Machia etc and I think you can really see the creativity that's coming into the scene and I absolutely swear for it um, there's a lot of them on mostly in Drop Dead Twice at the moment on Saturday nights Evoke a Reaction has one on this weekend if you want to check it out um, also this as part of Fringe as well is Nate which is a show that opens in Project um, on Wednesday when we record um, and the premise of it is really interesting and it says that for the first time in history it's hard to be a man. Natalie Palamides doesn't understand this but Nate does. Natalie Palamides is Nate so she's taking on the role of a man to try and understand the hardships that they have to undercome, uh, overcome even um, and after she's grown up as a woman and endured what women have to endure. It got the 2017 Edinburgh Comedy Awards Best Newcomer so definitely worth checking out. Uh, another thing worth checking out, which I just can't say hem- enough how much crack it was. Uh, we did the Trap Pop Night Out and we did the Silent Disco Walking Tour around the city. It is absolutely brilliant. It's such a gas concept. You literally put on the earphones, you're listening away and dancing to the music as you get a little walking tour around the city. I would highly recommend. Um, and something else I would highly recommend, which is going to be maybe a shock to some people, but it's the new me now that I'm learning Guelga, etc. Um, is a band, well, yeah, they are a band, a session band called Rake the Ashes. Um, they're in Casties every Sunday night. They are absolutely phenomenal. I have never seen some Thing so wondrous in my life. I had the best night ever and I think they are absolutely brilliant and they have a huge following already but snaps for Rake the Ashes. And kind of leading into that as well, Culture Night is on this Friday night and in Conor and Aguelga on Harcourt Street at half nine they're having a Cayley to show off the space. There's a space there all the time they throw parties and everything. I don't know if you've ever been to them. They're like they're actually brilliant like parties to go to but they're having a Kaylee for everyone to get involved in to show off the space and to highlight how wondrous our native language is so get involved this podcast is produced by Andrew Mangan at Castaway Media with support from Susie Bennett Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack and Sarah Fox did all of our design um, you can find links to all our socials on our website and if you're enjoying listening do let us know and to lead us out this week, our tuna chicken roll. It's an Irish band who are taking uh, some time off. So 
before they do listen to this go to some of their gigs give them a support it's Laboom Dancing Bug Una Mullally wasn't here again this week but I've been Andrea Horan and that was United Ireland and that was Led When I wrote this song I was on the ceiling Now it won't be long Till I crack this feeling When the beat is strong And the lines have meaning No, it won't be long You know it won't be long Dancing Park Feel me full of rhythm Dancing Park Bedroom floors Dancing Park Move into position I'm a Jamaican call Bedroom floors